Welcome to the mystical world of Catholicism. I'm your host, Lainey Solis, and in this podcast, we'll delve into the mystics of the Catholic Church, such as St. Padre Pio and St. Teresa of Avila. We will dive into the practices and experiences of those who have sought a deeper connection with God through prayer and contemplation. We will also examine the role of mysticism in modern Catholicism and how it can inform our own spiritual journeys. Join me as we discover the beauty and depth of mysticism in the Catholic faith. Hello listeners, this week we continue to journey through the Old Testament as we uncover the Eucharist. These connections that we are making between the Old Testament and the New Testament are called types or typology. If you're unfamiliar with this term, typology is a form of symbolism that refers to persons, places, or events in the Old Testament that foreshadow other persons, places, or events in the New Testament. An example that we covered in the previous Eucharist episode would be the typology between Melchizedek and Jesus. Melchizedek's high priesthood was bestowed upon him by God, and in the same way, Jesus' high priesthood was given to him by God, since he was from the tribe of Judah and not the Levites. Melchizedek also uses bread and wine as an offering in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, we see Jesus do the same at the Last Supper. We are going to cover more of these types this week as it relates to the Eucharist. Last time we talked about the connection between Melchizedek and Jesus, the Passover lamb, and Jesus becoming that Passover lamb, and the manna from heaven, foreshadowing Jesus being the bread of life. In this episode, we are going to chat about the forbidden fruit, the fruit of the tree of life, Elijah, the bread of presence, Isaiah's coal, Ezekiel's scroll, and the Todah. Let's start at the beginning with the forbidden fruit. Genesis may seem like the last place you would find connections to the Eucharist, but think about it this way. By eating the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve brought death into the world. Adam is a type to Jesus in the sense that Adam, being a son of God and being put as head of a kingdom, but in his disobedience by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he brings death into the world. However, Jesus rectifies this fall by being the son of God, being the perfect head of an everlasting kingdom, and he is obedient in the face of temptation. The forbidden fruit promised death in Genesis 2.17. God says, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Whereas the Eucharist is the promise of eternal life. It is the anecdote. In John chapter 6, verses 55 to 58, Jesus says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The forbidden fruit came from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But there is a second tree mentioned in Genesis, the tree of life. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, after Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit, it says, Therefore, he must not be allowed to put out his hand to take fruit from the tree of life also, and thus eat of it and live forever. In Revelation, we see a reference to the tree of life as well. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, To the victor I will give the right to eat from the tree of life that is in the garden of God. And then in 2.17, To the victor I shall give some of the hidden manna. What is this hidden manna? Christ established himself as, a, as the bread of life, the manna that gives eternal life. For Catholics, this hidden manna is Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Where else might we find references to the Eucharist in the Old Testament? Catholic interpretations believe that there are foreshadowings of the Eucharist in 1 Kings chapter 19, Isaiah chapter 7, and Ezekiel chapter 2. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is in the wilderness after fleeing from Jezebel. He becomes so weary and hungry, he drops to his knees and asks God not to let him die. We are then told an angel comes to him bringing him a hearth cake and a jug of water, which then sustains him for 40 days. 40 days on a type of cake biscuit and jug of water. This is a representation of a type of Eucharist as it sustained his life for an abnormally long time. Next, in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah has a vision in which a seraphim touches a hot coal to his mouth, and the seraphim says, Behold, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity shall be taken away, and thy sin shall be cleansed. The Eastern liturgies of the Catholic Church, as well as Orthodox liturgies, see this as a foreshadow of the Eucharist. The liturgy of St. James describes communion as receiving a fiery coal. And in St. John Chrysostom's liturgy, the priest says, Lo, this has touched your lips and has taken away your iniquity. Just as a seraphim took the coal from the altar and cleansed Isaiah by touching it to his lips, the Eucharist comes to us from the altar, and in touching our lips cleanses us of venial sin and fortifies us against mortal sin. Lastly, like Isaiah, Ezekiel has a vision in Ezekiel chapter 2. In verse 8, it says, Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee. Ezekiel is then given a rolled up book or scroll that had lamentations, canticles, and woes written within. Ezekiel then describes eating the book and that it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And this is seen as another precursor to the Eucharist. If we think about it, in Mass we consume the Word of God by listening, and then, in the Eucharist, we consume the Word literally, since the body of Christ is the Word made flesh. To wrap up, I wanted to cover two other more historical references to the Eucharist, which are the Todah and the Bread of Presence. The Todah was a sacrifice offering made for someone who had been saved from something life-threatening. In Tim Gray's book, From Jewish Passover to Christian Eucharist, The Story of the Tadah, he writes, The lamb would be sacrificed in the temple, and the bread for the meal would be consecrated. The Eucharist comes to us from the altar, and in touching our lips cleanses us of venial sin and fortifies us against mortal sin. Lastly, like Isaiah, Ezekiel has a vision in Ezekiel chapter 2. 
In verse 8, it says, Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee. Ezekiel is then given a rolled up book or scroll that had lamentations, canticles, and woes written within. Ezekiel then describes eating the book and that it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And this is seen as another precursor to the Eucharist. If we think about it, in Mass we consume the Word of God by listening, and then in the Eucharist we consume the Word literally, since the body of Christ is the Word made flesh. To wrap up, I wanted to cover two other more historical references to the Eucharist, which are the Todah and the Bread of Presence. The Todah was a sacrifice offering made for someone who had been saved from something life-threatening. In Tim Gray's book, From Jewish Passover to Christian Eucharist, The Story of the Todah, he writes, The lamb would be sacrificed in the temple, and the bread for the meal would be consecrated. The lamb... The moment the lamb was sacrificed, the bread and meat, along with wine, would constitute the elements of the sacred Tadah meal, which would be accompanied by prayers and songs of thanksgiving. This should seem familiar if you are Catholic. In Mass, we consecrate the bread and wine of Jesus, the sacrificed lamb. It is then accompanied by prayer and songs of thanksgiving and praise. Another one I find fascinating is the bread of the presence. The bread of presence, also known as the showbread or bread of the face, was a special type of bread that was made and displayed in the tabernacle of ancient Israel. It was made from fine flour and baked into 12 loaves, which were arranged in two stacks of six loaves each on a table made of pure gold. According to ancient Israelite practices, the bread of the presence was placed on the table in the holy place of the tabernacle, which was the innermost part of the sanctuary. The bread was set out as a memorial of the Lord's offering and was intended to be always present before God. The bread was to be replaced with fresh loaves every Sabbath day, and the old bread was eaten by the priests. The bread was to be eaten only by those who were ritually pure, meaning that they had abstained from sexual relations for a specified period of time. The bread of the presence was accompanied by golden lampstands, which were also set up in the holy place. The lampstands were to be kept burning continuously, both day and night, as a symbol of the Lord's eternal presence among his people. When the table that held the bread was carried out of the tabernacle, it was veiled. Or when the tabernacle was moved, all the vessels in it were carefully wrapped. Those transporting the vessels were to not directly touch these vessels, lest they die. This should have a striking resemblance for you to Mass and the tabernacle in a Catholic church. The tabernacle made of gold covers or houses the Eucharist and is always present before God within the church. There are lampstands on each side of the altar or of the tabernacle and they are lit. There are always at least two candles lit during times of adoration. For us to receive the Eucharist, we are all called to prepare ourselves and to be pure by going to reconciliation or confession before partaking of the Eucharist. And the proper way to treat the Eucharist, aside from preparing ourselves, is to cover it when moving to and from the tabernacle or the altar. Also, if you've ever been to adoration, the priest will not touch the monstrance. And if you're not familiar with the what a monstrance is, it's basically a golden type of statue um, that holds the host or Eucharist in the center. 
but the priest will not touch the monstrance directly when the host or Eucharist is exposed or present in it. He wears a veil that covers his hands in order to respect the sacred vessel, and it is also a sign that shows the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, and that it is Jesus in the Eucharist that is blessing the people, not him, the minister. Okay, I hope that gave you lots to mull over and to think about. I know it did for me. The Bible is much deeper than we make it out to be sometimes. I find these typological connections that run rampant throughout the Bible to be fascinating, and often once I see them, it is difficult to unsee them or to see them in any other way. Next time we discuss the Eucharist, we will be in the New Testament. We will be delving a little deeper into the Bread of Life Discord in John chapter 6, Paul's writings, and much more. For now, if you would do me a huge favor, if you enjoy the podcast, would you please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends, and following us on Instagram at The Mystical Catholic. It really helps me out by getting this podcast to reach more people. So I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Also, if you would like to have access to exclusive stickers or episodes, you can check out supporting the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash mystical world of Catholicism. Thank you so, so much for listening and being here with me. I am truly grateful to have you. May the peace and light of Christ be with you always.